With the outbreak of the First World War, each nation faced the task of turning their citizens into soldiers, and Latter-day Saints were no exception. On today's episode, we'll explore the experience of Latter-day Saint soldiers as they prepared for war, both in the United States, Canada, Britain, and Germany. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History. When the United States entered the war, the commander of the American Expeditionary Force, General John Pershing, embarked for France to see conditions for himself. Over there, over there, send the word, send the word over there. In his estimate that he passed to President Woodrow Wilson, America needed immediately to raise an army of at least a million American soldiers in 1918, followed by three million afterwards. General Enoch Crowder, the Army's Judge Advocate General, the top legal advisor, called on a young Latter-day Saint attorney, J. Reuben Clark, to help him create a nationwide conscription program, the first since the American Civil War. So, with the help of J. Reuben Clark, the Army began drafting hundreds of thousands of American men from all over the country, from all walks of life, and making them soldiers. It can be hard for us today to understand just how difficult this assignment was. In 1916, the United States Army was actually smaller than the number of soldiers that the British Army had lost during the Battle of the Somme. And so almost overnight, the army set up schools in everything from gunnery to bakery, with green NCOs teaching even greener recruits the art of soldiering. But to help their new allies survive, the French and British armies sent officers and NCOs, the French to train Americans in artillery and tactics. The British trained the Yanks in surviving poison gas, bayonets, and snipers. And so how did Latter-day Saint recruits adapt to army training? From the records they left behind, it seems that in some ways, their upbringing in the Intermountain West prepared them very well for army life. This was especially true on the rifle range. One Utah soldier, Ivan A. Farnsworth, recalled the first time in basic training, he was given a rifle and a target. He later wrote, when they took me out on the firing range, They gave me an eight-inch bullseye. I said to the soldier, is that all that I have to hit? He laughed and said, yeah, that's all you have to hit. I said, I don't see how anyone could miss that, and I didn't. I made the sharpshooter range. Farnsworth then explained that, quote, all the kids that were raised that way were sharpshooters. But while Latter-day Saint soldiers excelled at marksmanship, in other ways, they found army life to be very difficult especially when it came to staying up late on guard duty. Lester Hubbard of Willard, Utah, wrote a letter home describing what guard duty was like. I went on guard last night and walked my post from one until five. Really, I was half asleep most of the time. Sometimes I would go to sleep standing up and I would find myself reeling like a drunken man That is what I call real misery. I was afraid to sit down because, well, you know the penalty for being found asleep on post. 
And Lester Hubbard's concern was no joke. In America's first week in France, two soldiers were caught sleeping at their forward observation posts. They were both promptly court-martialed and sentenced to death. Elmer Badley of Utah joined BYU's ROTC program, though he freely recognized he was just, quote, not officer material, too small and too unenthusiastic about Army life. His training took him to San Francisco, where several experiences stood out in future years. He remembered, one foggy day, we received orders to prepare for a long hike. We marched with full packs, which included rifles with bayonets fixed, sleeping gear, etc. But that mile or so from the base to the ferry boat was enough for me, and I wondered how I was going to make the 10 miles to Walnut Creek. It was a long, hot march, but then began a night never to be forgotten. The army cooks had prepared a meal for us. They must have been the Kaiser's spies and poisoned the food. The effects after eating it were spectacular. A frantic latrine trench digging operation ensued. I don't remember how many times during the night I would run from my pup tent to crudely straddle the trench, but with the company of men doing this, oh, you can imagine the mess and odor. We called this the Battle of Walnut Creek. But it wasn't all bad. San Francisco offered Elmer and his fellow cadets a chance to see the movies. He recalled, We were awed by the big show houses. Now, this was a period, though, when Mormons were not popular. We attended one show, a Western type. The villain was a Mormon bishop, and when in the end he was perforated with bullets, a mighty cheer went up. We silently stole out, wondering if our horns were showing. Meanwhile, across the Atlantic, other Latter-day Saints were similarly training for war, but on behalf of Kaiser Wilhelm and the German army. One of these soldiers was William Barth, drafted into the German army in 1916. The athletic and stoic Barth recalled, I went to basic training, which was not too bad. He was initially assigned to the garrison at Mannheim, but he remembered a call went out for volunteers to form a new division of mountain soldiers, the Alpenkorps. Barth immediately volunteered for this specialized training. He remembered, we got new uniforms and equipment and were just about made ready to go to the front. Most of the men in my old company volunteered for this same outfit, so I had a lot of acquaintances in this unit, which we called the Alpenkorps. While historians have yet to determine a precise number, it's thought that several hundred Latter-day Saints, like William Barth, enlisted and fought for the German army in the First World War. It's a long way to Tipperary. In Canada, C Squadron of the 13th Canadian Mounted Rifles, thanks largely to the recruiting efforts of Hugh B. Brown, was largely made up of Latter-day Saint young men. After arriving in England, the unit was challenged by another unit, the Northwest Mounted Police, the famous Canadian Mounties, to a contest that today sounds insanely dangerous, horseback wrestling. This is a contest where two teams of 10 men mounted bareback would face each other at about 100 yards. 
As Hugh B. Brown described it, the two teams would come together at a gallop and grapple. The Mounties were undefeated amongst the cavalry companies in England. Major Brown, anxious to prove the mettle of his Latter-day Saints, chose 10 of the best wrestlers from the group. This would be their first attempt at horseback wrestling, but Hubie Brown remembered they were excellent riders. was over, every Mountie had been thrown down, but not a single Latter-day Saint had lost his saddle. A young soldier in the unit, Archibald Bennett, recalled that nine young men from his home congregation enlisted together. They were kept together throughout their training and later throughout much of their combat. He remembered, quote, in our tent at night, we discussed the folks at home and the home teaching we determined to try to observe those teachings more than we had before enlisting and to prove worthy representatives of our loved ones. Regularly at night, we knelt as a group in our tent and prayed God to assist us. Archibald Bennett recalled that, that several of the friends they met in England had been fighting in France. These friends, in a well-meaning sort of way, continually tried to get the Latter-day Saints to break the word of wisdom believing that the Mormon boys had to get over these habits in order to be prepared for life in the trenches. No refusing, they told us. When you're out in the trenches in France, standing up all night up to your waist in icy mud, you'll be glad of a little smoke or a little rum to arm you up. If you're about to go over the top and you need something to brace you up, I guess you'll take your share of the rum all right then. Wait, just wait till you're wounded out in no man's land perishing from thirst and you see a shell hole and you crawl over to drink some of the water that is seeped into it only to find a corpse lying there. You'll be glad of a little boiled tea then, won't you? But no matter what arguments and scenarios they conjured up, the Latter-day Saints in Bennett's unit would not break the word of wisdom. What was it like for the British? Well, one interesting account comes from a native of Ogden, Utah, Arthur Guy Empey. Not religious himself, Empey was the grandson on his mother's side of Latter-day Saint pioneers. And when 128 Americans died in a German U-boat attack against the British ship RMS Lusitania, Arthur Empey decided that whether or not America was at war, he was. He traveled to England, walked into a British Army recruiting office, and tried to join. He told the young lieutenant behind the recruiting desk, uh, Before going further, I wish to state that I'm an American, I'm not too proud to fight, and I want to join your army. The British lieutenant replied, That's all right, we take anything over here. Empey looked at the lieutenant kind of hard and replied, So I noticed. But this snide remark went over the lieutenant's head. He asked for my birthplace, and I said, Ogden, Utah. Oh, yes, said the lieutenant. Just outside of New York, isn't it? Well, it, it's up the state a little, he replied. Empey arrived in France, where he underwent additional training before heading to the front. Quote, We were given a smattering of trench cooking, sanitation, bomb throwing, reconnoitering, listening posts, constructing and repairing barbed wire, 
formations and poison gas defense. But MP's clearest memories of training came when he tried to sleep. Quote, I was tired out and using my shrapnel-proof helmet, well, shrapnel-proof until a piece of shrapnel hits it, for a pillow. I must have slept about two hours when I awoke with a prickling sensation all over me. As I thought, the straw had worked into my uniform. I woke up the fellow on my left and said, Hey, does the straw bother you, mate? It's worked through my uniform and I can't sleep. That ain't straw. Them's cooties. From that day on, he wrote, Cooties, or body lice, were my constant companion. MP found there was no way to get rid of them. Quote, Recruits generally sent to Blighty for an insect powder advertised as good for body lice. And the advertisement was quite right. It was good for cooties. They simply thrived on it. Next episode, we will continue the story of Latter-day Saints in a world undone, 1914 to 1918.